1: The interesting one of the most interesting learnings of my past maybe 12 months is something that you just hit on so you said what we have to do is first determine who we want to become before we determine what we want to do or how we're going to get there or whatever and um my learning has been that running a business, all of the lessons of how to run a successful business are the same lessons of how to run a successful life, right? When you start your business, you don't talk, You don't start with what are you going to sell? You start with who would this business be? Why does this business exist? You start with that with your business, right? What's the very first thing you're going to do? You're going to come up with a purpose statement. You're going to come up with values. You're going to come with a, up with a BHAG. You're going to come up with like an aim, an aim. What's the biggest thing that we could conceive of? That's our BHAG, right? That's the, it's the greatest thing that we could possibly imagine ever doing and becoming. And why is that important to us? Well, it's important to us because of these values. And then with our life, we go, what should I do next month? What should I, what should I do? Where should I go? What job should I get? It's like, well, who do you want to be as a human? And then once you've answered that as a human, then it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter what your job is. It doesn't matter where you're located. It doesn't matter what hobbies you pursue. It doesn't matter the things you do in your free time because you will figure out all of those things that align you to who you want to become. If you start your business with, who do we want to become, then it doesn't matter what you sell. It doesn't matter who you hire. You're going to figure all those things out. Yeah. You know, one of the things about business is it, obviously a business has to make money to exist, but the purpose of the business can't be to make money anymore than the purpose of life is to breathe. I mean, yeah. you need to breathe to, to live, but you, you can't just exist to make money. So it's, you've got to have that greater purpose. When, what, when you go through and determine that for your, you know, yourself, David, how did you go through that process of deciding who you wanted to become? This is critically important to all of your future decisions. It, it's the mm-hmm. keystone decision, right? Wow. Is who do you mm-hmm. want to become? How did you go through that decision process?
2: Remember we talked about that guy right up there?
1: The uh, 12 the point buck behind uh, you? Is that a, is that a deer I, or I, an elk? I,
2: it's actually a stag. So, okay. No, okay. so, so I was, was wrong it. twice. Elk stag—they're pretty darn close. Um, So, what I started to—I started to go through this process uh, of—you know—again, when I started asking the question, "Who do I want to become?" I didn't know. I had no idea. I didn't know how to answer the question. And what I started to realize is that I needed to compartmentalize. I needed to look at who I wanted to become as an entrepreneur, who I wanted to become as a father, who I wanted to become as a husband, who I wanted to become in my health and in my body who well, I wanted, like all these different areas. And so what I started to do is I, I actually, uh, a very useful book that I read um, is called The Alter Ego Effect by Todd Herman. Yeah. And this principle of understanding alter egos is, is kind of what the backing is in the research between courage and confidence, right? So courage and confidence, we know are two very different things. People are like, well, just be confident. Well, confidence is only established once you have a proven track record. That's the only way that you're actually confident. Courage is very different. Courage is what you have to take when you've never done it before. (laughs) You're like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm going (laughs) to be courageous. And so, courage is where we almost, it's like the pretend confidence, right? And what I attribute it to is is our kids. Like, if you, you know, uh, I'm sure Sean will, Sanger, we're going to use you for an example. Sanger was a little wee man, right? (laughs) There are times, right? I've got a five year old, a three year old, and a one year old. When I see my kids tap into imagination, it's one of the most beautiful things you can experience as, as an adult, The seeing a kid get lost in imagination. And this book, what it started to outline was this basic understanding of like, if you could be whoever you wanted to be, and you could put together this alternate like personality, what would the attributes be? What would the characteristics be? Who would you be if you could take off all the baggage, all the pain, all the trauma, all of the stuff, all the victimhood, who would you be if you had no limitations? And so in this book, it has you kind of go through this process of of crafting your alter ego. And so my alter ego through this process became, it was an amalgamation of a few different things. Number one, Captain America. So I had Captain America, Daniel from the Bible, a stag and Aragorn from Lord of the Rings. So my name was Captain Daniel Stagorn. So I had to <laughs> nice. literally, I just made this name Captain True. Daniel Stagorn. And <laughs> what I started to do is I had to start to step into those roles in every circumstance. So when I would stand on stage, I was privileged to to do like some speaking. I was a speaker and head trainer for Tony Robbins for a while. And when I would step on stage, talk about like intimidation one of the most well-known personal development, motivational speakers on the planet. You're supposed to be stepping on stage representing this individual. I I was not confident. I had to have tremendous courage. So what I would do when I would step on that stage is I would think, how would Captain America handle this right now? How would Rogers, Captain Rogers actually step into this right now? And how would he carry himself? How would he speak? How would he talk? And so in practicing, like the stag, for example, for me, is more about my family. It's this presiding, right? It's this presiding, regal, kingly presence. It's like I'm overlooking and taking care of my family. And when I would show up for my kids and for my wife, I would have to like turn on this trigger and remember, okay, I need to step into who I want to be, Captain Daniel Stagger. And I know this sounds hokey, but when you imagine enough and consistently you actually start to, the research is now proven, you start to rewire your brain. Your neurochemistry change. The neuroplasticity in the brain, you start to actually start to believe these things about yourself until one day you wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't even recognize myself. I have become everything that I said that I would be. Now I've got to redefine success and who I want to become next. I need to create a new version. But for me, it was this process of taking courageous action and becoming extraordinarily accountable to be the father I wanted to be, to be the husband I wanted to be, to fix my health, to build the business. And so those steps really came down to getting crystal clear and writing out these things. And I'll give a quick little exercise, two exercises for anyone listening that you can use to uh, to help you with this. The first one is you take a sheet of paper and you divide it in the middle. And on the left-hand side, you write down every single area of your life that you're dissatisfied with, as it pertains to you personally. What do you not like about yourself? What are you dissatisfied with? What are you frustrated with? And on the opposite side of the page, you write one of two things. You either write what you want in your life. And if you don't know, because the average person doesn't know, we can list all the things we don't want, but very few of us can name what we do want. If you can, write down what you do want instead of this. If you can't, just write down the opposite. If you write down the opposite of whatever you wrote on the left-hand side of the page, it'll give you a clue or an indication of what you need to start aligning with, as Sanger said earlier, aligning actions and behaviors and thinking patterns and and mentors and modeling. That's exercise number one. It'll help you see the areas of your life that you can focus on changing. But then the other one was writing out my perfect day. I sat down one day and I, I, I wrote out my perfect day from the moment I woke up until the moment I went to bed. And guys, when I wrote this thing down, I laughed. I was like, ain't nobody on the planet have a day like this. There's no way that this could ever happen. Well, and what you have to do is you have to put work and play and family all of it together. You can't just say my perfect day would be to go to Disneyland. Yeah, sitting on the beach <laughs> like, for 12 hours. No, not no, Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to do a real day. You have to do a real day. And when I wrote it down, I laughed. I was like, there's no way this is ever possible. Because when I wrote it down, guys, I was working 60, 70, 80 hours a week, full-time corporate. Like, There's no way. And about two years later, I was sitting in in my house on my chair and I opened up this journal entry and I, I had forgotten about it. Honestly, I'd completely forgotten about it. And I'm sitting there, my kids are playing on the floor. We just had lunch together and I'm reading this and I start weeping because what I was reading on the page was what I was living in that moment everything that I had said that I wanted to create in my life, as far as the newness, the lifestyle I wanted to have, who I wanted to be. Like one of the things I wrote down on that page was I want breakfast, lunch, and dinner with my kids. I don't know how that doesn't even seem realistic or possible, but I want breakfast, lunch, and dinner with my kids. This is when I want to wake up. I want to go to the gym. Then I want to come home. I want to work out with my, like I had everything listed out. And I opened up that journal entry and realized that had actually been made manifest or created in my life because of Two years prior, I had made the intention, the decision to lean into those things, but I had completely forgotten about it. And so those two exercises defining, again, the piece of paper, like where are you dissatisfied and what would you want instead? And then what would your perfect day look like? The answers and the awareness and the lessons you draw from these exercises will help you start to formulate and craft this vision and this version as you guys mentioned earlier, Think and Grow Rich, right? All the great personal development books, define an aim. If you don't define the aim and the outcome, you can't hope to be aligned with anything other than your feelings and your feelings will betray you <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah.
1: The the writing out my perfect day, I did that three or three and a half years ago. And the, the prompt was not only, it wasn't just my perfect day, it was my perfect day five years from now. So I'm, I'm almost, I'm not even, well, I'm not even, almost to the point where it would have been five years. But I've wow. done at least 80% of those things. And my totally. life looks 80% or more like the life that just like you thought, I thought was silly. It was like, there's no. no way. I mean, I included stuff that I thought was just, no, I'm, nobody's ever gonna, I'm never gonna do this as long, not even when I retire, am I gonna be able to do this? And sure mm-hmm. enough, I mean, within months, those things started happening. And some of that is is like, when you imagine it, you've allowed yourself to believe it. My jiu-jitsu coach told me uh, that he, since he was a kid and started wrestling, all the way to when he started competing jiu-jitsu, to when he was a professional fighter um, you know, in the UFC and things like that, he would visualize his match. And what he told me is that your brain doesn't know the difference between your conscious mind and your unconscious mind. So if you're sitting there imagining yourself hitting this move over and over and over and over, it's like it doesn't even really matter if you can do it against your opponent. Your brain thinks you can now. And so now your brain treats that just the same as it would a conscious experience of you actually doing it. So you're more confident, you're more able to hit the move. That can be applied to, there's studies that show that's applied to weightlifting where visualizing lifting the weight will allow you to lift a weight heavier than if you did not visualize. And I think that that's true with life. It's like visualizing the life that you want allows you to start making the steps to bring that life uh, to reality.
0: Thanks for making the great decision to listen in to this week's episode highlight. If you want more of what you just heard, see the show notes for the full episode. As always, for the latest decision-making tips, find us on DecidedlyPodcast.com or on Instagram at DecidedlyPodcast. And be sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter from the link in the show notes. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review as well. We read all of your comments. So if you learned some decision-making tips today, let us know. Until next time, this is Decidedly. Insights, advice, and comments provided by Sean Smith, Sanger Smith, and speakers identified as part of the Decidedly podcast should not be considered recommendations. Speakers not identified as members of Decidedly are expressing their opinion, and their statements should not be construed as reflecting the views of the Decidedly team. This podcast is produced solely for informational purposes, not personalized advice.